Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. Today's episode is part two of the Needling for Beginners series. Dan Waters joins me to share his story of being on dialysis, focusing on needling from a patient's perspective. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm looking forward to our interview today. Now, this interview is kind of two in one. So we're getting a kidney warrior story, which as everyone knows, I love recording kidney warrior story interviews because as I've said, and we'll continue to say, and we'll always say, there's so much you can learn from someone's lived experience. So within this interview, we're going to be sharing your story, Dan, but also we're also going to be focusing on needling from a patient's perspective. In a previous episode, I've done an interview about needling for beginners. So please do check out Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast episode 67. Please do check out that interview. But now today we're going to be speaking with Dan, who's going to share his experience. So I'm going to start from the very beginning of your journey. And my first question is, how did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? Well, it began when my mom was diagnosed. She was diagnosed in about 1988. I was 12. She was told at the time she was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. And she was told at the time she's going to have five years left to live. So she spent a lot of time, me and my sister, training us up to live and be adults quite early. When I was 17, I went and had the testing done to see if I had got it as well. And it came back positive, which was a bit of a shock. But by then, that five years further on, knowledge was, a, was around for PKD. So we knew a little bit more. And it was about managing the condition at the time. I lived my life normally, did normal teenage things, going out drinking, went to university, stopped taking my medication when it ran out, the usual stupid things, and carried on with a normal life. Right up until my kidney infection dropped enough for me to notice it. So you knew from a young age, having your mother who was diagnosed with PKD, that there was a chance that you would have it yourself and then finally got that diagnosis. Exactly, so, yeah. So you said that your mum was preparing you for life and for the future. Was that in the sense of, she thought that you too may have PKD or was she preparing you for something else? It was for when she passed. It would have been because she'd been told she had five years left to live. 
she was preparing us for the if she did die that we would be able to survive and live along live on without her that must have been extremely difficult at such a young age to be told that your mom would pass away in five years time in terms of your mom's health did your mom's health decline or how is your mom uh, she's still going strong she's had a transplant herself fantastic <laughs> the the five years was at the time when they they uh, diagnosed that's what they believe was gonna happen and i think pure spite just kept her alive and keeps <laughs> her going i'm glad to hear that she's still going strong so when you discovered that you also had pkd how did that impact on you at that time initially it didn't it didn't really affect me that much i didn't really think about it too much i was 17 years old i like all 17 year olds thought myself immortal i got the odd infection but nothing serious enough to worry me I had blood pressure tablets that I was taking to keep my blood pressure lower. And that was the only real impact I had, was taking medication every day. So aside from your blood pressure, you didn't get any other kind of symptoms from your polycystic kidney disease. And for anyone listening, that's what PKD is short for, polycystic kidney disease. Not really. I'd get a cyst growing or a cyst bursting or a kidney infection. But it got worse and worse as time went on. But I think once you spent that much time living with a condition, you come to expect it and you get used to it and you don't know any different. I can definitely relate to that because we do normalise the symptoms that are associated with our disease and think nothing of it. So feeling tired all the time or having swollen legs and ankles are, are things that we don't think of being anything unusual because it happens so much so yeah i can relate to that exactly it's only when someone points it out to you that you notice it's an effect so for this time period were you being monitored by the hospital or was it just a case of being under your gp most of the time it was under my gp i was having a checkup every year just to see how my how i was progressing and my function was perfectly normal for my age at the time it didn't really start dropping level until I was into my 20s. And it was probably late 30s when it dropped to a point where it was beginning to worry me. By that time, I was living in Derby. I had been in Birmingham before that. I'd moved to Derby. I was under the Derby hospital and their monitoring picked up that my function was dropping quicker than they were expecting it to. So over a period of about 10 or 15 years, it dropped from the 40s to early 20s, at which point they started preparing me for options for dialysis. So at this point, when your kidney function had dropped so low, how did that impact on your everyday life? I was more tired than I expected to be. So I started limiting what I was able to do. So I, I couldn't do heavier parts of my job. I'd be affected more if I was working longer hours. That was basically it. I'd have more kidney infections or more pain from the kidneys. But in my mind, there was nothing else really too bad. I just kept going. And what gave you the strength to keep going despite going through all of that? 
I suppose I saw it as a challenge. I'd seen my mum go through the same sort of situation of being tired, of being told you'd got a certain amount of time left and just going out of spite, just keep going, proving yourself. And you kind of expected to keep going. People can't see the condition. They don't expect you to be ill or tired. They just think you're just being lazy. But you keep going and keep trying to prove yourself. I think that's the difficulty when it comes to kidney disease because people will look at you and they cannot see the disease. They say, oh, you don't look sick is usually the number one thing that you hear. And so you mentioned about feeling that pressure to keep going because people would think that you are lazy. Looking back on that and having felt that pressure, for somebody listening today who might be feeling the same way, what would you say to them? Learn your limits. Learn how far you can push yourself before you get too tired and let people know where your limits are. The best thing I found out using the spoon analogy to explain it, so you count it up in spoons, how much energy you've got left. And if you had to explain to someone who isn't chronically ill, it's easier to explain to them that you have less spoons than they do start with. I really like that analogy, the spoon analogy, because it really does represent so well what we experience as patients living with kidney disease. So you were given the options of modalities for dialysis. Why did you choose hemodialysis? I wanted to go for peritoneal, but I was told at the hospital I wasn't allowed to go with that. I didn't have enough room in the stomach because my kidneys were too big. So I was told I needed to go for the hemodialysis and fistula route. So as I got closer to the need of it, so I think when I was down to about 15%, they decided it was about time. And that was in March 2016, by that point. They put me in for fistula surgery and I went and had that done, which is a strange experience because you're awake to have it done. You're aware of what's going on around you. I can't imagine what it's like having, do they put a curtain in front of your arm or something so you can't see what happens? Now I could see it in the mirrors. Really? Oh, wow. The surgeon was, he had a lot of students in with him while he was doing the surgery and he was talking to them through the lymphatic system while he was doing my surgery, which was a very strange experience. It was interesting. It was more interesting when I met some of them later on, having had um, surgery for my kidney and meeting some of the now qualified doctors that recognised me. As I said in the introduction, we're going to focus quite a lot on the needling part of your experience. You had a fistula made and... There's always time that it's given to mature before it's first used. So what was the length of time between the fistula being created and you actually starting dialysis? So the fistula was made in March 2016. I went for my consultant appointment on the 22nd of August. So it was about six months, five, six months between fistula being made and the actual first use of the fistula. I went to my fistula surgery in March 2016 in 22nd of August, I had my consultant appointment and my function had dropped low enough. They decided they're going to start my dialysis. And I was on dialysis two days later. I was in on a Wednesday morning, my first session. 
And how was your very first session of dialysis? It was very scary. I was taken into a, a room on a dialysis ward and met up with the nurses and the technicians, explaining what was going to happen. They had the dialysis machine set up, ready to go, and a scanner so they could see my fistula. And then the first time needling was very, very scary because the needle is not a small needle. I think I started off with a 17 gauge, which is a decent sized needle. And it was a sharp, and they show you the needle. And it's bigger than anything I'd seen before. I was very, very lucky. I wasn't offered any Emla cream to calm it down or cool it. It just went in cold. And the, the nurse that did it, did it so well, I could barely feel it. She put both my needles in very, very carefully. And once the needle had gone in the first time, after about five minutes, it settled down and the pain stopped. And I was on, on dialysis for two hours. So having had that very first session in dialysis, how did you feel afterwards? Did you feel any benefit from it? How did you feel? I felt very tired and I felt very relieved that it had gone well enough that I wasn't worried about it the next time. After that first time, I was made to feel very comfortable that the people around me knew what they were doing and they could do it without making it extremely painful for me. And they looked after me very, very well. So two or three sessions later, I was moved to one of the cubicles where I was generally to my own devices. They would needle me and come back every hour to check my blood pressure and monitor me and left my own devices for four hours. And was that something that you preferred to be left like that or was that standard procedure or was there other people that you could talk to in that time? There was other people there. I think the first few times I had an elderly gentleman who just didn't want to talk to anybody, so I was on my own. And it was general procedure. The, the staff were normally looking after five or six different people in their section. So they'd be walking around and keeping an eye on us, make sure we're okay. I started setting my table, putting the needles out, cleaning up, keeping my arm clean and washing up, and moved on to setting up the machine and learning to program it over the time that I was there, which meant I got more involved in this in the process of it. The only thing I couldn't do was needle myself because I couldn't actually see where the needle was going. But the rest of the th everything else I did, all the preparation, all the programming, the way the maths involved in it was all done by me. And that made it a lot easier to do. So how important was it for you to do those parts of the process for yourself? It was essential. I needed to have some level of control of what I was doing to look after myself. Involvement meant that I could have a say in what fluid was coming off me, what my weight was going to be, when I was needled, what my blood flows were, what my dream was done for me. It meant that I would have control on the, um, the actual dialysis machine itself. I could increase or lower the speeds and the pressures that were part of the machine. In terms of the part of the process that you were doing for yourself, did you needle yourself? I did try a few times. I 
couldn't see the needle properly because I'm very, very short sighted on the one on that one side of my arm. I couldn't see where I was putting the needle in. So although I tried it two or three times, I couldn't actually do it. So I left it to the technicians and the nurses to do it for me instead. And what style of needling did you do? I'm aware of the laddering technique and the, is it the buttonhole technique? It started off with the laddering technique to strengthen the fistula. That way it was possible for it to build up the strength in the fistula before they moved on to the buttonhole technique. So I really want to get an honest opinion of what it's like for needling so that people really know what to expect. So you've tried the laddering technique and you've tried the buttonhole technique. Would you say that one is easier or more painful than the other? I found the laddering technique was more uncomfortable because you're permanently using a sharp needle and therefore it was easier to blow the fistula. If you've got someone that doesn't know your fistula very well, it was very easy for them to go through the fistula. So I preferred the buttonhole technique, which you got using a blunt needle and you're just using a track that's already been made. So once a track's been made, it's uncomfortable going in, but it's easier to go in at the same time. We've used two terms that maybe some people might not understand what those are. So very quickly, what is the laddering technique? The laddering technique is where you have a sharp needle and every time you have a session on dialysis, they put the needle into a different part of the fistula and they move up and down that part of the fistula for the arterial and the venal needles, one that takes the blood out and one puts the blood back in. You take the very, very small step up each time on the arm and it makes it that you're basically breaking the skin every time. And then what is the buttonhole technique? With the buttonhole technique, you start off again with the sharp needles, but you use the same hole each time. So after the first or second time, you start building a track up of scar tissue. So the needle goes in easier each time. And once you've got the track built, you can use a blunt needle to go in. And all you need to do is take the scab and then put the needle in and it follows a track down to the fistula and goes in that way. That sounds really, really painful. But actually, you said that that one was actually the easier of the two. I preferred it. I found it easier to cope with because... I knew that it was going into the same spot. And although it was uncomfortable going in, it was discomfort of a few seconds. Once it was in, it was fine. So for anyone listening that is about to start dialysis and is a complete beginner to needling and the dialysis process, what advice would you like to share with that individual? Talk to the technicians and the nurses listen to what they say and learn about the techniques they're doing and why they're doing it the way they're doing it. If you're inclined to learn and take part in your dialysis, learn how to set up your machine, learn how to measure your weight and do the calculations to determine how much fluid you're taking off and take part in the process. Let yourself be part of dialysis and let it be part of your life rather than it be something that happens to you. 
What practical advice would you give to someone who's starting on dialysis? Speak to the staff. Make friends with the staff because they will look out for you and they will be good friends to you while they're looking after you. And take something to do. It's four hours. And although sleeping on dialysis is quite good, find a way of passing the time, get an iPad or something and watch films or listen to podcasts or audio books or find something else to do that you enjoy doing that you can do. So how long were you on dialysis for? I was dialysing from 24th of August 2016 until my last one proper was the 6th of May 2019, so just short of three years, just over two and a half years. In the May of 2019, I got the call and had to go into Nottingham Hospital, which I, I thought when I had the first call, I thought it was going to be a test run. I didn't get excited about it because I thought, oh, it'll just be, you know, someone else has got it. You can go home again now. At 4 a.m. the following day, I had my last dialysis. And I can remember clearly having to talk the nurse who was setting up the, the machine for me how to needle me because Nottingham don't really do the buttonhole technique. So I had to teach her how to do that technique for me, where to put needles in my arm because my fistula has a bit of a strange shape to it so you have to put the needle in a certain way and once that finished about an hour or two later I was taken down to surgery and I woke up about six hours later with a new kidney. And how did receiving that kidney change your life? For the first week it didn't really change things all that much because it took about a week to kick in. I think my kidney is quite stubborn. There's Um, a theme here. Yeah, it was very stubborn and it would only start doing things when it was threatened with something else. So they would threaten to do a biopsy on it to find out what was going on and then suddenly it would start working. So they sent me home after six days with a kidney functioning at about 46%. It was uncomfortable. It was very sore because you have a quite a large uh, scar to work with. But I was able to go to the toilet again properly for the first time in quite a long time, which I deemed a bit of a miracle. I was able to drink more than a litre of fluid a day. I was actually asked to drink four litres a day, which is quite a step up from like about a litre. So it then changed everything. After the first three months, my medication settled and I started taking a larger number of medications than I was before. But again, you get into a routine of it. You start working out how to take them and when you should be taking them and set times and everything for it all. You learn to understand the kidney you've got. So any little symptoms that are not quite right, you know, to look out for. You know when you've not drunk enough, how it feels. And that took a while. But after about two months, I started getting an infection in the kidney. I was taken back into hospital about a week after I started getting the first infection. And I was in there for just short of a week. I had two biopsies while I was in there. And they were trying to work out what was going on in my kidney. Sent me back home. And I was back in again 10 days later with a high temperature vomiting. And they said I had a rumbling rejection. 
sort of just a low level rejection of the kidney. But they treated that. I was in for about two weeks at that point. Another few biopsies. I can remember having to be taken into a little room at the bottom of the corridor where they were doing the biopsy and talking a student doctor through doing a biopsy. I'd had three or four by that point, so I knew where they were supposed to be going and what they were supposed to be doing, which was an interesting situation to be in, to explain to somebody else how to do something that you've never done. That sounds, I don't even know how to describe how that sounds. So you had to describe to a student doctor how to do a kidney biopsy on you? Yeah. Wow. They were trying to work out where to put the cut, the initial cut to put the biopsy needle in. And I was telling them to sort of just move it a little bit to the right, let them do the cut. And then I was explaining to them when they put the needle in, when to go and not to worry about it because they were nervous about hurting me. So I, I had to explain to them that it didn't matter. It needed to be done. So just go in and do it. So what was the result that you finally got from the biopsy? That was just the level of rejection. It wasn't bad enough to be a major problem. They changed my medication and they changed the level of medication I was taking. And there was a few days after that, it started to uh, pick up again and I was able to go home. So from your experience, having received a kidney transplant, and like you said, you learned the best way to do things in terms of your medication and building a routine. What advice would you give to somebody who's just received a kidney transplant in terms of taking care of themselves and the kidney? Listen to your doctors. They deal with you all the time and they know what they're talking about, even if it doesn't make sense to you. They know what they're doing. Listen to your body as well. If you start feeling a little bit off colour, if you start feeling something different in the kidney, if you start struggling to pass fluids, call them immediately, let them know. It may be nothing, but it's better to be safe than to be sorry. The doctors won't take offence at you asking a question and they prefer it if you can say to them, this feels wrong, this doesn't feel like, something's not working right, something doesn't feel like it used to, they'll look into something if you think there's something not right. So how has life been for you since then? Things have changed a lot since I'm a transplant. I've been able to go out and do more things, got more energy. I've been able to go out and meet new people. I don't have to worry about whether I'm, I've got some procedure before I go away for a weekend or go and visit family elsewhere in the country I can just pack up and go without worrying about it it's changed a lot of things dramatically what final piece of advice or encouragement do you have for the listeners I would say for both being on dialysis and transplant is learn to understand your body learn what is normal for you and be able to be aware when there's something wrong. That will be the thing that lets you get through the whole process. For dialysis, if you find the needling uncomfortable or painful, ask for creams that can numb the area. If you don't mind the discomfort, learn how the needling is done. 
you feel up to it, by all means, learn to needle yourself. If not, learn to take part in the process. It is a lot easier to have dialysis as part of your life if you have to have it as part of your life rather than having it happen to you. So get involved in it and bring something to do in that four-hour window. You've got a lot of time to kill. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for sharing the practical advice and encouragement. I know that what you've shared today will help so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith knowledge, hope, and love.